Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and my guest on today's show is Dr. Ginger Bratzel. Dr. Ginger turned her background as a clinical dentist into a business working as an advocate for dental practice owners. Dr. Ginger bought a struggling practice right out of dental school and thought she could fix it up. Turns out it took more than a new logo and better equipment to make that work. Hear more about that transformation. As a reminder, you can get all the information discussed in today's conversation by visiting our website, DentistExit.com, and clicking on the podcast tab. And if you're a dentist interested in taking your first step to find your eventual exit from active practice, whether you're three months or 30 years away, let's have a conversation. You can schedule a discovery call by going to DentistExit.com and clicking on the Schedule Meeting tab in the top right corner of the page. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Ginger Bratzel. All right, Dr. Ginger Bratzel, welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. Excited to hear your story, and thank you for joining us today. Well, I appreciate being here. It's always fun talking about my misery and how I got through it. <laughs> I think that leads us to the place that we should probably start, which is just some background and sort of the Reader's Digest version for how you got to this current point of your career. Well, I think any good story starts with a, a bad experience. We all like movies where the where the hero is having a hard time. And not that I'm saying I'm the hero, but that's what hooks you and it makes you involved. You know, I'm here. I started my career as a dentist. That's why I like to work with a lot of dentists, just because I, I've been through that experience. And um, I bought a dental practice straight out of um, dental school. In fact, I purchased it while I was still a senior in dental school, left the old dentist in place and when I went to buy that practice, it was in pretty bad shape. I knew it was in bad shape. I used the phrase sucky because it was, but I was under the impression that the, the issue was him. And once my shiny little dental degree and my shiny face um, walked in the door, I was going to change the world. And boy, was I in for a rude awakening. I, I went through every way to build that practice, but it was every way the wrong way. I was just jacking up my overhead. I was buying a bunch of equipment. I was getting more initials and more training after my name. And I did not change my cash flow, but my... Um, Overhead sure went up. And then I went off and built a brand new business uh, building thinking that was going to be the, the saving grace to do it. And I, I did that a long time before I figured out what I needed to do and switch it up. And so I stopped thinking like a dentist. I stopped thinking technical. Uh, I stopped thinking treatment wise. And it's like, how would this business appeal to more people? And conversations that I was having with people were telling me, no, I was starting to look at other businesses that were doing well outside of dentistry, I said, you know what, we can, we can do that too. So I started looking at different, how I talked to them, how I put my message out there. It wasn't about my name. It wasn't about my degrees. It was about them and their needs. And, you know, marketing message match is what we call it. Um, when I talked about what that was going on in their heads, all of a sudden things switched and it switched pretty quickly. And um, I didn't appreciate it. and didn't understand how important that was other than my, my money was going up, my bank account was growing until I got a call from my accountant. And uh, he never called me at work and he never interrupted me. But that day he did, he called and he said he needed to talk to me right away. And he told me he was in my QuickBooks and there was a bookkeeping error and he didn't know when it happened because somebody had put too much money in there. And um, he didn't think it was just one day. He was going back. He said, it's, it, there's, it's back for a few months, Ginger. So, you know, help me out. What's happened here? And I said, no, there was no error. There's no bookkeeping problem. 
We're just doing better. And he said, what does that mean? And so I went through and explained to him how we were more on track to what our customers, our patients were asking for, how I was talking to them differently, not even in person, but all on marketing message. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my face. It was about finding out what's going on and struggling with them. And he got quiet and he asked me, um, was it something unique to my area? Like, was there a new procedure I was doing? Was there a new insurance? Is there something that only worked in my town? And I'm like, no. He said, do you think this could work somewhere else? And I said, without a doubt, it would. And he said, could you teach this to somebody else? And I said, yeah. He says, good, because I have three clients that have been in practice a lot longer than you are. I'm about to call them. They're not doing so great. And we're going to have to have a hard conversation. Can I give them your name, your number? And would you please just teach them and help them do what you did in your business? And that's how it started. Um, and so three became four and five and, you know, down the street, around the state and all of a sudden across the country, um, we were doing more and more of that to the point I was doing dentistry four days a week. And I was doing this three days a week and until, and then I made the shift where I don't treat patients anymore. I work with exclusively service-based providers, mostly dentist, dental providers and growing their businesses and keeping clients and, and growing them. Well, that's quite a story. And I've got a bunch of follow-up questions to sort of that opening salvo. Uh, maybe just for anyone that would learn from some of the mistakes that you made or some of the things that uh, you would have done differently had you known better, uh, what were some of the red flags about the dental practice that you bought that you didn't necessarily know or didn't see on the front end? Well, I honestly, nothing, everything came up in disclosure. I knew it was, it was a, an established practice. Cash flow was really low. The schedule was really, really empty. I can tell you a funny story, which is not funny when it's you. I, <laughs> I got there and from three to five. And so, you know, we're in the Midwest, you're in the Midwest. So a lot of these people understand it. So three to five, they had blocked, the staff had blocked the schedule out where there was no patients there. And I'm asking, why is there nobody in from three to five? And they said, that's Sonic's happy hour. And we always go down and get a drink from three to five. <laughs> I like erase that because this is back when a paper um, we were booking on paper and you had a pencil. I was like, erase that. We put patients in there three to five. We don't. I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard on my own podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of mentality was going on. I was okay. like, seriously. And they looked at me and they blinked their eyes, like, really? I'm like, no, we're here to work. Do you not understand? And that was part of the leadership that they had that he, that the team was driving the practice in a negative way. They had overridden the doctor and he was just setting it out, waiting for the next person to come in. And you thought you could come in and and make all these changes. And it sounded like you tried to make a lot of changes and tried a number of different things right. over a number of years and just kept coming up empty. Coming up empty because, you know, when you buy a practice and I'm sure you have a lot of younger dentists are looking at things. First thing, when you get a practice, you try to make it your own. And that's one of the critical things we tell clients is, we appreciate you wanting to make it your own, but you're, you bought a business because it had a certain persona, it has a certain uh, feel to it. And if you go through and change everything, you're going to alienate the patients that you got with the practice. So at that point, you just bought equipment. That's all it is. So you, you lost your goodwill. You've lost that list. You've lost all that. So you don't try to change too much. And so, um, you know, my situation was when we were trying to put people in there, I had people dropping out. Like we brought computer systems in there. They had never seen a computer before. The front desk person who was supposedly the office manager had been with him for 30 years, didn't even know how to turn on a computer. She's like, well, I'm out of here. After a week, she quit. And so, you know, 
we were forced to make some changes and go in there. But, you know, most new practices, I think more people put more emphasis on their logo than how they're going to have a plan to attract customers. And it's not about you. It's about who you serve and finding your ideal um, avatar, your ideal person you want to serve and making sure your practice can accommodate everything about them. So before we even get into some of the solutions, and I definitely want to get into the solutions and the things that you've learned that can help other people, uh, maybe just for context, this practice that you originally bought was located where? It was in New Mexico. Okay. And you're in Oklahoma City now, correct? I'm in Oklahoma City now. That's where we're hubbed. Okay. And how long did you try to go about fixing it? And how long was it until you got the phone call from your accountant that he thought he found a mistake and that he found some cash in the practice that he didn't recognize? I guess, how long did it take before you sort of turned the, the battleship around and, and pointed it towards profitability? Well, the dental industry calls it paying your dues. And so you have to go through a suffering phase. That's what they'll tell you. You have to pay your dues. And most of them will tell you it's about seven years. So I really literally woke up in the morning of the, my seventh anniversary and said, things are going to change. And, but then they didn't. And so at that point, I said, I can't listen to any of the advice I'm getting because it's not valid. I, I just wasted seven years of my life. And that's what I kicked myself about because I didn't do something sooner. And once we switched that, you know, seven years and one day, I'm like, things are going to be different. We changed things um, and got results within months. So where I was stalled for seven years, we took off in a matter of six months. What did you change? Well, again, it's back to messaging. So it wasn't about my name. It wasn't about getting out there, get your face in the public, get your, I got to pass out more of my business cards. I need a new headshot with me wearing a white jacket. We need a new logo at the front. We need a new sign. It was, I changed what I was putting out as far as my marketing message. So for instance, the biggest mistake I see in most marketing pieces, the biggest thing on the on any piece. So it was social media, it's your sign. Um, it's a print ad, I don't care. It's usually your picture and the name of your office. Those are the least important things there. It's got to be what's going on to your, your target audience. So let's say if I was going to go after implant patients and they've had a denture, maybe that's the kind of patient I was going after. I would not put anything about me. It would be about, are you suffering with loose fitting dentures? Do you have missing teeth? Are you not eating the foods that you want to eat? That's about them. So all of a sudden, they're going to read farther and find out we're talking about benefits after that. And the, the littlest thing at the bottom is my name, an offer to get them in, and my phone number or however I want to contact them. So it's, it's switching the emphasis on me and putting it all on them. So I was entering the conversation they already have in their head. This is interesting to me in that this describes in some ways some of my journey as a financial advisor and trying to build my own thing and kind of what I hear you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I want to ask you this, but did you have to start talking about the problems and the pain points that your patients are facing? Was that the big linchpin? Right. That's the conversation to talk about their wants, needs, and desires, not about my qualifications, the initials of my name, or the new technology that I just put in my office. And you said it was months. That you started seeing a huge it, it went very, very quickly. So, you know, I, I bought an existing practice that was 30 years old. People, and when I had people coming in and I was seeing them and during those early years, they're like, you know, you're young. Don't try to force that fancy dentistry on us. We don't buy that here. You don't understand. This is not 
uh, Beverly Hills. We won't do that. And when I started talking about those things, like, are you embarrassed by your smile? Are you not being able to eat what you want to eat? Do you have those loose fitting dentures? They're like, Hey, tell me what you can do for me. Because uh, how, how sound can we get it done? And those conversations about, Hey, we don't want that dentistry didn't happen anymore. How prevalent is this marketing problem from, from your perspective within dentistry still today? I, and it's in business in general. And so instead of, um, you know, initials and your picture and your, your name, your practice, everyone's like, well, I'm going to put up my social media. So substitute Facebook or Instagram, and it's a, a logo with a tooth or a dancing something else here. They never really talk about the problem. So we, we just changed media, how we're doing it, but it's still pretty prevalent because it's hard to talk about those things. And we've been trained as dentists to be dentist. I mean, if I came up to a professor and said, I, Hey, I got this dude with this loose doohickey in his mouth and he doesn't like how this is flopping around his mouth. They just ate you up and said, no, you don't call it what it is. That's a, that's a removable prosthesis and, and they have bone absorption. And that's how most dentists are talking to patients. So I want to make sure I put a bow on sort of this transition for you from practicing clinical dentistry to working as a consultant, as an advocate, as a coach for dental practice owners. You just, if I heard you right, got more and more busy actually helping people with this solution that you sort of finally discovered for yourself that you then had the problem of other people seeking you out to help solve their own problem, which was similar. Right. You know, because I had dabbled, I was in that dental world. I knew the dental language, but also I was starting to think more like the patients. So I was the translator liaison, let's call me. You know, I knew the dentists were trying to serve them and they were trying to tell them how great this was and what they could do for them, but it wasn't getting through. And so um, I've seen dental websites where they have a glossary on explaining every dental term that there ever was, hoping that people will read it and say yes to treatment. And that's not what it is. You have to be talking to them at the level of their, their communication in their words. I mean, dental languaging is so important. So, you know, for instance, you're in Iowa. Um, I have a practice that we work with in Iowa and um, they really, really good about same day dentistry. We know that can be very, very profitable. Someone's got a dental problem. They come in, they have the resources, they have the systems in place. They can get them in, take care of it. The people are very happy and there you go. But if they can't get them in to do the same day dentistry, they'll never have that, that opportunity. So they were advertising for dental emergencies, just like same day dental emergencies, and they could just never get the hook in it to, to take off. So they could do what they're really good at. And so we started listening to the languaging of what patients were saying. They never called it a dental emergency. We call it a dental emergency, but that's not their words. And so we started listening to what they had and they would call it a bad tooth. Mm. Now we think it's the same thing. It's a mile apart in their head, but that's what they're calling it. And let's think about it from a psychological principle, a dental emergency might be, you know, they did something bad <laughs> or they neglected something. A bad tooth is, is not me. It's that dang tooth in my mouth just went crazy and I need to be seen for that. And so we're like, do you have a bad tooth? All of a sudden, the dental emergencies took off. They had more people that they could see that same day. And because they had the systems in place to be able to convert them, it was very profitable. Patients were very happy because they got seen and taken care of. And that was a gateway to building the long-term relationships. So 
what is the process of, of working with you and, and your company? And how do you come in for dental practices and, and try to help practices that aren't as profitable or as successful as they could be, be more successful and profitable? Well, first thing, every practice is very unique. So there's no cookie cutter answer to for to that. So what I always do is start with, let's see where you're at. So, you know, I'll go through and I'll say like how many new patients you're getting a month. I'll look at their conversion rates. We'll look at phone skills. We'll look at how the transition is in the office. And everyone has a system that happens. I'll look at how many patients are referring to you, back to you. What is your system for follow-up? And all of these systems are in place. So that's, we usually work with established practices to some degree. It's hard uh, with newer practices because they, they have different problems. But we go through and look at the systems and what they got in place. And I'm like, with outside IAs, I'm like, you're doing 90% of this right, but you're missing 10% here. Let me help you fix this. We call it the fastest path to the cash. We're going to fix that first. Even before we spend any time on outside marketing, worrying about new patients, let's fix that first. And it's a profit center. And then when they get that system plugged, now we can go back and we can talk about who is more of your ideal customer, your ideal patient. Let's go after them. Let's talk about the conversations that they're having. Let's not let's put the emphasis less on you and more on what you can do for them and what's going on and get them over that bridge. Because that's where it is, that where they are, where you want them to be, we've got to have the language in between to get them over. So sort of start with the low-hanging fruit, if you will the easiest thing to fix. And then from there, it evolves into maybe being a little bit more proactive and taking a step back and looking at, okay, philosophically, who do you really want to serve at, right. within your practice? Uh, maybe a little bit deeper there would be beneficial. How do you help dentists and, and practice owners establish or determine or realize on their own who their ideal patient is and what that avatar looks like? Well, you know, people tell me they treat from two to 92. And if you are a general dentist, you do. But within there, you have little clusters. And it's not saying, hey, I'm only going to do this now and ignore the rest. We're just going to work on one of those profit centers at a time. And for most practices, it might be three or four or five once you get going. But if I want to attract more implant patients, I need to talk about just the benefits of implants. Now, if I have a kid who needs braces, I'm going to ignore that. That's okay. And I'll talk to those. And then I have another profit center about, hey, do you want, um, to take care of the problems with crooked teeth. We will talk about that separately. We don't put it all on one thing. So if you go to most dental websites, they list every service they do. All things to all people. All things to all people. And you, as a general dentist, you do, but we only need to talk to one of them at a time. So think about it. You're at a party and you're talking with people, six different languages. You're not going to talk to them all the same way at the same time. You're going to have a little conversation with one group here, and then you're going to go over here and put another conversation in place over there. And with automation and systems, we call it SAM, um, systems of marketing, you can have these going all the same time at, without any extra effort on your part. What's the process of working with you and your team like? How does it start? And is it a months-long thing normally? Is it an ongoing thing for years? Just I'm looking for a little bit more information on what that process looks like and the general time frame for results and then what sort of maintenance is needed over the long term, if any. Well, it just depends on their goals, really. I think of this as not a fad diet. You know, all of us can lose 10 pounds overnight, but is that going to stay off two months? two years from now. So depending on what their goals are, um, we're looking for the profit centers, but we also want to build things that are sustainable. So it doesn't take six months or a year to get results, 
but sometimes it takes a little while depending on their goals to get these systems in place. So some people we work on the short term for a few months and some, you know, some of our clients stay with us for years because they are still evolving and growing and they're getting um, growth at each stage because we call it different levels, different devils. So things that they didn't anticipate at that time, we're working on later on. So this is really broad, but what percentage or how common is it for a dental practice to really have some pretty big problems in these sorts of areas in terms of marketing and attracting the ideal patients and not being as profitable as they, as they want to be? Everyone can be fine-tuned. Every business can be fine-tuned. I mean, you're in the financial world. You know, 5% at a certain stage can little hinges swing big doors later on. So you, if we're working in one area, you know, you, you, you fix something there, but you've got something else later on. So it's a cumulative effect over time. And I'm sure you have an appreciation for how, as a clinical dentist who owns a practice, like there's just so many things to keep track of and worry about that. You know, let's give a little grace to the owner doc too, that it's really hard to be a marketing expert in addition to everything else that's, that's going on. Right. Um, So the solutions that you offer, uh, I'm guessing can lift a little of that weight. Well, you know, I find dentists, a lot of dentists are either head in the sand, and I don't mean any disrespect, it's like, it's so overwhelming, I don't even want to look at it, mm-hmm. or I, I have to totally understand it and comprehend this for the next 20 years, or I can't even take the first step. And that's what we talk about, different levels, different devils. You know, you're at this stage, we're only going to get to the next, if it's a ladder, we're just going to get to the next step. And at that step, you're going to have a whole different view, a whole different appreciation of where you need to do. So it's just in time information at the right time. And as the dentist, they don't have to be the facilitator, but they still need to be in charge of their direction. Just like that dentist I took over for, you can't delegate that to somebody else, but somebody else can do the heavy lifting and do the work for you. You advertise a, a no holds barred, a straight shooter approach. How does that serve the, the dentist that you work with? Well, I think, I, th- I think that's coming across, but uh, um <laughs> I I mean, I'm just very blunt and I am there to be a soft place to land when they need it. And also I tell them to put their big boy pants on or big girl pants on because we need to do something and I'm there to support them through there. I would not ask them to do anything I hadn't been through or knew that they could do. In terms of cost and your service model, how how does that fit together? And as much as you're willing to share, what are the general parameters around uh, what the outlay is and the investment is for a dentist owner? To. Well, there's, there is different levels. Um, you know, it depends on what we do. Sometimes we do a lot of workshops or we'll do events so they can come in for just a two day event in, in, you know, at hundred dollar, thousand dollar levels. And then we have long-term clients to stay with us for bigger packages that are a couple of K throughout the years. So again, it's up to what they need and what's, what's a good match. Personally, how has this been for you? You've gone from a clinical dentist to now just focusing on the business of dentistry most of the time. How has that transition been for you? It's fun for me because, it, you know, again, I find that dentists love to help people. And so in my own practice, I was limited to how many people I could help a day, just as many as my hands could touch. And even if I brought in a whole squadron of other dentists, we were still limited to do that. And so now I have the benefit of making a bigger ripple effect because I get to work with these practices help their, not just the people they serve as far as patients, but their teams. I love to see the transformation in that. And then also that, you know, I find it trickles out into their communities because they're able to be a bigger part of that. So I love that. I love that experience. And as the teacher, I learn as much as I teach. 
It's been a fun conversation. We've hit on a bunch of different topics. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think would be important to communicate? Well, I, I this doesn't have to be overwhelming. And I, I'm sure your audience might not know this. So once upon a time, we had this thing called variety shows and, and they did all kinds of stupid tricks. But I, I always think of it back to being a plate spinner. And that's the guy with the little dowel rod and he puts the plate on it, gets it going and it looks so hard. And you're trying to get it going. And then he goes off and does another one. And sometimes he turns around and feels like the plate fell off. Well, this is a system so where you can get it going. And you you don't have to be touching all the plates. You don't have to be putting them all on. We can get two or three, four plates going. But you got to get that first one. That's the hardest one going. So um, that's, that's my role is to hold their hands, to get them through that, get them a key person in their office that can handle that. And then, you know, when the questions come up, I'm there to help them direct along the way. So the recently rebranded, renamed title of this podcast is Dentists, Puns, and Money. I, I offer up everyone a chance to share their, their best or worst, however they want to characterize it, dentist pun. Uh, you got anything for me, Dr. Ginger? No, let's see. Um, why do dentists like potato chips? I don't know. Why do dentists like potato chips? Because they're so filling. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Well, uh, for, for dentists that are listening that would be interested in, in having a conversation with you, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can, because we are here, we're talking about finding your best patient. I, I'll give you a resource that isn't even, it's not, it's hidden on my website. You can't find it. So um, this is kind of a lot of little treat for your listeners. They go over to my website at Ginger Bratzel, B-R-A-T. Z as in zebra, el.com forward slash patience, P-A-T-I-E-N-T-S. I have a resource about building those systems to find your right patient. And I have an exercise, a little checklist to start with your ideal customer and take you through that process. We, we touched a little bit about that. Your first ideal customer. Very good. And that's the best place to start. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm yes, ma'am. <laughs> Very good. Very good. That is Dr. Ginger Bratzel. She is an advocate for dental practice owners. Dr. Ginger, thank you for sharing your time, your expertise, and for being a guest here with us on Dentists, Puns, and Money. Thank you so much. This is fun. Thanks for listening to Dentists, Puns, and Money. For more information about my day job, which is helping dentists plan for their eventual exit from active practice to financial independence, you can visit DentistExit.com. And there, you can find more information about us, sign up for our email newsletter, learn more about the Elements Financial Planning System, or schedule a discovery call with Sean. That's me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, and also share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. As for the boring legal stuff, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors, LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only and past performance is not indicative of future results.